many people are always asking, yeah, but what if you lose your papers, then it's gone forever. I would actually uh, say the opposite because in the digital world, it's so easy to make a folder or a category that you forget about because it's yeah. not in your face. You have to yeah. pull it out to get it. Welcome to Experimental Encounters, where we share our journey towards less friction and more freedom. We explore the sweet spot between ancient wisdom, productivity, psychology, and technology. First, we'll share our latest encounters, and then we will move on to our main topic, which is the use of index cards for GTD task management. We are your hosts, Torbjorn and Kenneth. Let the experimentation begin. So, Kenneth, what have you been up to since last time? Yes, what I've been up to, yeah, quite a lot. I did some editing of the latest podcast, which was a lot of fun, but uh, also made me very self-conscious about all my ums and hums. And um, I also got to learn, finally, the editing software called DaVinci Resolve, which is a, a pro editing software. And it has a lot of very unique and um, yeah, time-saving features. So I got to um, I got to play with uh, how to yeah just learning the software setting up a profile in my stream deck so it's easier to edit and um, yeah and I also made a new script in um, Auto Hotkey which allows me to um, see through windows I can just click shift button and scroll the mouse wheel and then I can immediately see behind the current window. So if I have, I'm waiting for a chat or something, instead of having it always behind, I can, when I remember, I can just make the current window transparent and and uh, untransparent again. And uh, actually been using that quite a lot. Yeah. And also made a new um, auto hotkey script, which always makes sure that the Teams window is on top whenever I need to send a command to teams because sometimes you will want to raise your hand or you want to share your screen and this is fine in um, in uh, in the stream deck but if you're not if the teams window is not active nothing happens because you're sending the command maybe to your powerpoint presentation mm, yeah so I, so I made a, a script that always first before you send the command to the teams window make sure that the Teams window is in focus. And the other way around, before I press next to show me the next slide in the presentation, I always make sure that, or the script does, makes sure that the PowerPoint presentation is in focus and that makes the presentation go on to the next slide or post this presentation or whatever. So that's my my latest encounters. And I feel they have been uh, of much use to me in, in my daily work life. So. Very nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, Tobias? Yeah, um, after our last uh, episode uh, where we talked about uh, keyboards and uh, shortcuts and stuff like that, and uh, how to alter the, the default, uh, I, I somehow uh, forgot that, uh, to mention that I have done one, one hack to my keyboard. And that is to uh, change the behavior uh, for two buttons, and that is the backspace and the caps lock. So now the um, the backspace is at my at, at my left uh, little finger, 
instead of my right little finger, which is farther up. Um, yep. And uh, I've been doing that for the last uh, six months, uh, and it took me uh, almost uh, no time to to get used to. Of course, when I I go to a, another person's keyboard, uh, it's always <laughs> yeah. a problem. But uh, I've been I've having I've had a, a big uh, a lot of benefits from uh, from doing that because the caps lock is just to the right of the A, a key, yeah. and that is uh, it's a very little uh, key travel uh, instead of the, uh, the the backspace position. Yeah. Another thing about the, the default is that uh, we've been living in our big house for uh, almost five years now, but it was just like three months ago we decided to remove a kitchen door that was always always in the way because yeah. uh, I, it was never closed and when it was open we had to remove it and it was hard to get around. Yeah. So one day my girlfriend just suggested why don't we just uh, take the door off and of course uh, we've been it's been very nice since then. So. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's nice to to take a fresh look at things. Um, yes. So my latest encounter since last time is uh, I'm considering uh, buying a mechanical keyboard. Um, one more. Uh, I have one right now, which is uh, is very um, it's very loud, uh, and I think I'm uh, I'm um, disturbing my colleagues <laughs> with the sound <laughs> of the keyboard because it has the cherry uh, cherry blues, which is it's a clicky keyboard. Yeah. And I cannot change the switches without uh, soldering uh, new switches in. So I'm considering uh, buying a hot swappable uh, mechanical keyboard. And right now I'm finding out what kind of switch do I want to to put in my new keyboard. And it's a yeah. complete uh, jungle and a very big rabbit hole to go into the switch world. Oh yes. So I so, have I have a keyboard like this. And uh, when you find a, a switch that is silent, please let me know because I think I'm also driving yeah. my colleagues crazy, especially in Teams meetings and so on, because they, yeah, yeah. very often someone asks, who's writing? <laughs> and it's yeah. usually me because I always try to write down whatever <laughs> I need to remember. So, yeah. But, uh, but another thing, um, <clears throat> you also said you had um, changed your caps lock to your, uh, change your caps lock so that it's a, now a backspace key. And I also have done mm. that. But uh, first I tried to do this in auto hotkey, but auto hotkey is, it's not close enough to the machine layer in, yeah, if on the, on in Windows. So that means that sometimes, and in the beginning, <laughs> I may click on the caps lock and then I turn the caps lock on. <laughs> yeah. And then for the rest of the time, it's just the backspace key and I can't turn the caps lock off. <laughs> and yeah. that's very, very annoying. So I found another uh, solution to it, which is using something called Microsoft Power Toys. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if it, that's what you're using or. No, I used another uh, open source uh, application to to change the behavior of the the keyboard it's a windows yeah. application something i don't remember what it was no. uh, but there is a software free software to to where you can make your own uh, keyboard maps yeah, yeah. Uh, but most of them you can only switch uh, the letters around so uh, you have to have a a an application that can also switch uh, these uh, modifier keys uh, like yeah. caps lock. Yeah. Before Torstein goes into his main topic about GTD on index cards, I just wanted to give a short 
overview of the method itself. So this podcast is about less friction and more freedom and no other system has for me made such a difference in these two areas, both professionally and in my private life. So here is a short introduction to GTD. There are five discrete steps to the GTD method. They are capture, clarify, organize, review or reflect and engage. First, we have a capture. That means gather all your tasks and ideas into one place. Of course, they won't come from just one place. They will come from all over the place. You have to be diligent about capturing it all and in the end, placing them all in one system. Here are just some few examples of where all these things can show up in your daily life. So for me, it's often in my phone. Call logs often reminds me of things I have to do, messages and so on. Email, of course, is like a never ending input stream. Regular mail, uh, bills to pay, receipts and newsletters and so on. Receipts for everything I buy. Maybe I need to keep a receipt in case something breaks and I need to return something uh, which is inside of the warranty time. Then you have clarify. With clarify we mean that you look at each single item and you ask yourself what does this mean? What does done look like? And you have to find the very next action that you can do in one sitting where you have all you need. So let me show you how this can look. So this is your brain and stuff constantly comes into your brain. But with GTD, you can actually make sense of all these things. So we try and clarify what these things are. The first thing is you look at one thing at a time. So first we take one thought and then we ask, okay, what is this? And then we ask, is this actionable? Is it something I can do something about? If it's no, there's really just three things you can do with it. It's either you can incubate it. That means put it aside for a later time to decide. So you will probably add it to your calendar or someday maybe list or something. Or you could archive it. It's just information you need to have at hand in case something happens. Or the most frequently used for me at least it's trash just throw it away you don't need it anymore but if it is actionable what is the very next action if it's really urgent or if it's really easy to do you can just do it straight away or if someone else is better suited to do this then you can delegate it you can also delegate it to yourself in the future and that's the next thing you have to postpone doing this thing because you can't do everything at once and especially not when you are looking through all the things you have captured maybe you just need to get to the bottom of the pile or bottom of the list and then you can go back to it but as i said if it takes less than two minutes just do it anyway because it'll take longer to write it down keep it in your system look at it maybe once a week and then decide if you should do it again if it's a very short task do it straight away to summarize 
if you can do something with it, find the very next action where you have all you need that you can complete in one sitting. Then you have to ask yourself, when I have done this very next action, am I then done or is there more to be done? So in other words, is there a project here? So the beauty of this is that you just need one list of all the things you, you want to get completed and then you have to add at least one next action for each of the things on your project list. If you don't have a next action for each project, then you have to add one. So let's uh, just take an example. So here's your project list and your projects are Dave's birthday, it's a trip to Spain and it's the launch of a new car in your business. So the first thing is some shopping for the birthday. I need to buy both balloons and champagne. And maybe the next thing is for the trip to Spain. I need to ask Tom about the tickets. And uh, I also need to pack for the, the trip to Spain. And maybe the next thing is at your office, you need to write a press release. So here you can see how uh, the three different projects spread out to four different context lists, your shopping list, your calls list, your home list, and your office list. And this makes it easier for you to make your projects move forward as long as you have the different lists to look at in your different contexts. The next step is organize. The main way to think about this is batching. Try to keep similar items together. So think of it as a deck of cards. When it's all shuffled and everything is random, you can't really make sense. You can't really find things very quickly. But if you put all the cards together and sort them in the logical order, you can easily find the different cards you need. And this means less switching and therefore less mental load for you. So if there's something you must buy, add it to your shopping list. If there's something you need to follow up with someone on, add it to your waiting for list. If you need to tidy your car, add it to your garden or outdoors list. And all this batching means less switching, which means less mental load for my part. The next step is reflect. Unless we regularly review our external system, our brains will try to take back control. That's why it's crucial to review all your projects, calendars and context lists weekly. Only then will your brain actually relax and trust your system. Until you do this, you will constantly be reminded by your brain that, oh, maybe I've forgotten this, maybe I've forgotten this. And uh, that's not a good way to spend your hard-earned willpower every day. Then we have the engage phase and it's very easy. You just use the system you have already made. So every day just start the day by looking at your calendar. When you have looked at your calendar you know how much time you have. Then where are you? What's the context? Are you at the store? Are you at your office? Are you at home? Look at your context lists and only then you can look at the list and decide, okay, what do I feel like doing? Yes, that's uh, my short introduction to GTD. If you want to have a more deeper dive, we highly recommend the Vital Learnings GTD podcast, 
which uh, episodes one to six go through all these uh, steps. Point one is about why you should learn GDD and the episodes two to six are about these five steps. So it's highly recommended and we'll add links to the podcast in our show notes. Now over to you, Torbjörn. So some time ago, I was, um, I, I started to, to capture uh, with my, uh, I have a capture wallet. Let me show that first. And this is a uh, leather, small leather book I have in my pocket. It's a folio for a, um, a small uh, moleskin, but I don't have a book inside. I just have my, uh, some uh, credit cards, and then I have a stack of index, index cards here. Uh, so that is that was where the the whole thing started about uh, what I'm about to show you, because I grew very fond of these um, index cards, and uh, one day the idea struck me: um, what if I put everything on index cards? What would that look like in a system? And that is uh, what I'm about to share uh, now. Yeah, and for those who are only listening, we will highly recommend that you take a look at the video version on YouTube. So, And I will try to tell as much as possible uh, when I'm going through. So today's uh, topic is uh, from inbox to slipbox. And that is a little wordplay I will get back to. It's mainly about the application of the task management part of GTD, and I'm using atomic paper-based index cards. So uh, this is my first iteration of a small box uh, containing my index cards, and it's just a shoe box, and I glued on some notes to make it pretty. I've always tended to to move towards uh, natural things. This is a girl running uh, barefoot, and I'm also running uh, barefoot uh, almost, but with um, you know shoes without shock absorbent. I'm trying to do things as naturally as possible, and. And I thought that the index card was also going to be like some kind of natural approach without any software or some kind of idea that people wanted to sell me. And I also needed a place to uh, focus. And uh, again, our friend uh, Campanoli from Brain Chains is uh, stating that your success depends on your intellectual uh, productivity and above all, your ability to reflect. And as we all know, our screens and our ICTs are distracting our focus. So this was also an experiment on how could I regain some of that focus by taking my eyes off the screen. So a little bit about the journey. This was the beginning of the of the of the journey with a spiral, a small spiral notebook. I just tore out the page and put it on the on the left side here. And it worked very fine, but I wanted something more dirty. So uh, what I did, I found some uh, blank index card, which is more, they're more sturdy, and I started to use them, and then I would erase them and use a pencil. And then uh, I thought, this this is a nice idea. I want to find something with the lines on. So I bought, yeah. the, I upgraded to uh, index cards with, with lines on, and they have uh, one line at the, you can see it here, the one side, it's uh, the line is in in the one direction, and then the other side, it's on the other direction. So you can choose yeah. or use both sides. So like these ballerinas, all my index cards they look the same, but they are 
in my system, they will uh, conduct a, a symphony and a dance, and they will all have their own small things to do in the bigger setup. A little bit about uh, the tools. I've talked a little bit about it. I use a Stettler Mars Technical with a two millimeter graphite. I use the leather cover for my moleskin pocketbook, and then I use these uh, index, index cards, and they're from uh, manufacturing. We can uh, put a link to uh, to the store in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And then some kind of box for my index cards. And then also I used a, a label writer to uh, make some of the, the labels, and I will get back to that. Yeah. So here's the box, and uh, I think it will open now. Uh, this was my first prototype. And um, it worked uh, very well. So after like some weeks, I uh, I thought, well, I might want to build something that is better and more aesthetically pleasing. So uh, this is my current setup. I have some green felt in the bottom, and I've uh, typeset all the the letters or all the uh, the indexes. And um, now I will just uh, go through the, the different sections of these two stacks because there is a system to it. In the front left, I have my inbox, so uh, all the cards from my small book will uh, go inside that stack uh, if I didn't process it already. Behind that, I will have different tabs for uh, next actions. And behind my next actions, I will have tabs for uh, projects, and they will be they was they were divided in uh, active projects and on hold projects. And behind that, I had some, uh, a Sunday section, and I also had some sections for uh, different checklists, and I will come back to that as well. Yep. In the front right, uh, I had a big stack of blanks because uh, you have to, I just have to reach out to this uh, box to get a new blank page to write on. It, it has to be easy to capture. Behind the blanks, I have a full tickler system with uh, 31 days and uh, 12 months. And uh, when this picture was taken, I was about to delegate some projects. So they just uh, went back there. It was just a preparation. So it's like a box with uh, with two rows of uh, of index cards. And I later I added a, um, a stack with the used cards uh, to erase. Uh, in the beginning, I erased uh, the cards as as uh, as I used them. Yeah. Uh, but um, I also experimented with saving them for the weekly review because then uh, I counted uh, how many actions I had done and uh, how many projects I had done uh, during the last week. And uh, yep. I also divided all my projects into three stacks, projects where I had a next action on it, projects that was um, uh, where I was uh, waiting for someone else and uh, projects where there was a, um, I don't know the last category, but I, I had three categories of projects, so yep. uh, I could always see the distribution of, of types of projects. And th that helped me to, to see, okay, about a third of my projects is in a waiting status, and uh, about a third of them is like uh, where I have the next action. Because you like to erase them. I'm, I also tried erasing them, but it didn't, it seems to give you more satisfaction than it gave me. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I used, uh, what I ended up doing was I, I archived them. So whenever I finished um, a separate task, like a next action, I just put it into the archive. 
and then each weekly review I went through my archive and if that also meant that the project itself got archived then mm -hmm. I pinched them together with a paperclip yeah. and moved them into completed projects. And yeah. then I can, and then I could see because I also wrote uh, the date I completed each task, so I could yeah. have like a, a very good uh, log of when I did stuff and when it was completed. And uh, whenever people ask, yeah, I didn't know when did you say this to me, and how how should I know? And uh, this is many months ago, and you can't possibly have done this. And I could just find the project. Yeah find the card and say, I did this on that and that day, and I could see it in my email and I'd sent them a message, for instance. <clears throat> yeah, for me, the e-racing the e was just like, uh, now it's a clean slate, and there was a send moment of, of completion as well, a small yeah. win, and just uh, just having a moment each week where I, I spent 10 minutes e-racing to give my archive brain uh, some space as well. So. Yeah. So where does this uh, inspiration come from? Well, first of all, I, I read the book uh, How to Take Smart Notes and uh, got into all this uh, Settlecasten uh, methodology about you know linking your your stuff together uh, with small atomic uh, notes. Mm. And uh, it was one of the guys was this guy uh, Nicholas uh, Luhmann. Uh, there was also other guys using this system, but he was quite productive. So inspired by his paper-based notes, I don't know if, if maybe it was 90,000 notes he had when he died. I thought, well, if, if he could manage 90,000 notes, I would also be able to manage about 500 notes in a small box yeah. um, and see how that went. So this was like the idea. So why, why do I do it? Well, I thought it was uh, excited and I was also a little bit afraid to put all my stuff on small pieces of paper. But um, in the beginning of my journey, uh, GTD journey, I, I started out on paper and I always wanted to go back to paper as well, because I think it's a very nice way to engage with your stuff. I was also a little bit repelled by lists because I, I tend to have long lists and there was too much info on them. I was attracted to the cards because they have like a single focus. Uh, you can take one card out and focus on just one card. And also I love, as we do, both do, to experiment and test out new ideas and concepts. And then also my system that far uh, didn't feel right, just right yet. So uh, I got this idea. This is, uh, I've also do, I've also been doing a calligraphy. Uh, so I like, I love to write things down. And this is uh, one of my early uh, to-do lists on the PC uh, context. So I took this and I just said, well, uh, we have uh, Miller's law as well, which is um, seven, seven items plus minus two. And yeah. uh, if you see on the left here, there's definitely more than seven items. And there's a lot going on on this piece of paper. So I thought, well, can I do it more simple? One card per item. That was the main idea. Yeah, and it's, I think it's easy to underestimate how powerful this idea is actually, because it's, there's something ab about how you can focus so much more with just this one card on each, uh, with just one item on each card. Yeah. It's actually quite revolutionizing for me at least. So um, I thought it would be uh, 
fun to look at the properties of a physical card. So first, uh, the physical properties. Uh, first of all, it's simple. There's there's no learning curve. You have one item per card. Second, it's uh, scalable. Uh, you have one core component. It's a versatile building block and it reduces cognitive load when you only have to relate to one concept. I don't have to relate to uh, five different apps to manage uh, my system. This is just one card, one concept. It's also portable because at least part of my stack uh, fits in my pocket and it's always on. I don't have to turn it on by logging in with my fingerprint or something else like that, or, and it doesn't go out of power. And uh, it's also sustainable. It's paper and uh, I reuse it and, and erase it. So one, one card can be used many times. And then I think it's a high quality tactile experience as well, because these cards just have the right amount of uh, friction when you write on them <clears throat> yeah. with a pencil. And uh, when, when you engage and invest a, a lot of time in your tool, the quality and the feel uh, becomes very important for the overall experience. So it was important for me to have good paper to write on instead of this uh, spiral book with thin paper. Yeah. And uh, some of the mental benefits or the inside of the card, I think it's a very nice substitute or yeah, substitute for your mental RAM. It will uh, support your focus. Due to the atomic feature, you don't have to relate to so much at a time. And um, it also supports uh, perspective because uh, you can take a stack of cards and you can put them out in front of you and look at them. You can either put them under each other or in a matrix or whatever you like. So you, that's very high versatility. And uh, it's easy to, when you put things out, to spot the holes and the cheese regarding your projects and next actions. Yeah. <clears throat> the last thing there is one of the key components for me because it's one of the techniques that maybe made the weekly review for me easier. Um, yeah. In a way that many other <clears throat> techniques or or approaches really haven't done before. I tried it like this. Yeah. So we can say that this uh, index cards is is a perfect bridge between the physical world and our brain, or at least an elegant bridge, I think, because it will combine these external and internal properties. For me, it elevated my task management to a very physical and a very relatable entity because uh, lots of Times our ideas are fluffy and not physical, yeah. so the the chance to to relate to your ideas as a phys physical thing is is a, a very for me it was a very nice experience. Yeah, and it also allows us to engage both associatively and sequentially almost at the same time. I'm a balanced thinker when we are on the Kairos Cognition uh, survey, maybe we could put a link to that as well. Yeah. So I, my brain needs to shift between those two states of sequential and associatively, and the index cards are supporting that as well. So next, I would like to look at how the index card uh, relates to other kind of notes in the, in, the, in the physical and the digital world. So I made up the matrix of notes and on the, uh, Vertical axis, we have the digital notes at the top and the analog notes at the bottom. 
on the horizontal axis, we have the stellar nodes at the left and atomic nodes on the right. And here, stellar nodes, meaning uh, one node containing a lot of information and atomic node containing a little information. So usually in the old days, we had a list with, with uh, a lot of things on. It's an analog list. It has a lot of information. And then came the digital age, and we started to using use uh, node tools like uh, Apple Notes, Evernote, OneNote, like that. And then came the linking and atomic notes uh, apps, which could be like uh, Notion, Obsidian, or Logsig, or something like that. And then we have the, the last uh, quadrant of notes where the index card is completing the circle because we have an atomic node, which is also analog. So that was a, an area I hadn't tried out that yet. So that was also one of my uh, reasons to try this was I, I needed to, to figure out how does it feel like to work in this area of the node universe. And uh, in the bottom left where you, or in the left section of this uh, diagram, you have uh, single nodes which do not relate that much to each other. And on the right-hand side of this diagram, you have a linking feature because I also linked my index cards together with each other. Yeah. So for the capture, I have my wallet. I have diff I actually have four different spaces to put uh, my cards in. Mm. The first stack here is my blanks. And then uh, I have my inbox uh, at the bottom left. And then I have a uh, stack of cards to erase, which is cards that are used. I don't have any next action on it, or I don't have to process it. Mm. And then I had a um, out and about context. I could just take one context out of my stack if I, I was in a bit in a diff in a certain context. I could take that stack out and take it with me in my pocket. Then uh, there's a project card, and I will go through the uh, the sections here. First of all, I have a title of the project in the top section, and in the top right corner, I have the project number. I'm uh, since almost since day one, I've been numbering my projects uh, sequentially because it's easier for me to uh, relate to uh, in my different reference systems. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not something that uh, the GTD methodology addresses uh, either to do or not to do. It just felt it has just felt right for me to have a number before my title. Yeah. Underneath the number, I have some. Uh, oh, there's also additional information. This is like metadata on the project, and it's not like project support, but it's just quick reference for uh, relevant information. Yeah. Underneath the uh, project number, I have the reference material. Here it says P and M, where P stands for paper or physical. And M is for mail. So this tells me that I have stuff in paper and I have stuff in my mail system. And as an example, my mail will mirror the both the uh, the title and the number. Mm -hmm. I can find everything wherever I, I look, it's called the same. Yeah. So it's very important to have consistency in your system to make this work. But when you make it work, it's easy to navigate between paper material and different uh, digital reference systems. Then we have a next action part. Again, in the top, I have the description of the next action. At the top right corner, 
uh, instead of the project number I, as, a, as a top uh, thing, I have the context for that one. And I always use two or three letter uh, abbreviations for my different context. I don't have that many, but they are also um, they're easy to remember. So this is a PC context. And under that, I have the project number. So there we have the link to the project. Yeah. I can also uh, do like more uh, references on directly on the next action card if that is relevant for me. And here I have a D and a P, which is tells me I have digital files and paper files. Yeah. Then I have a waiting card. First of all, who uh, am I waiting on and what am I waiting on? That is the main um, the main text on this card. At yeah. the top uh, right corner, I've written the WTN, which is my abbreviation for a waiting context. Context. Under that, I have the date uh, where I started waiting, and then lastly, the project number link as well. Yeah, I think uh, WTN is a better uh, abbreviation than WTF because it could be misunderstood if someone else <laughs> sees your system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So then I also experimented with a, a checklist stack. So instead of having one list with a lot of items on it, I divided the checklists up that so that you have a stack of cards representing a list. And here the example, of course, is the weekly review with uh, 11 cards with one card for each step. And I can have the cards in front of me and I can just take the front card and put it on the back when I'm done with that. And then I have step two, what do I have to do right now? So this is a very strict way of, of trying to focus on one step at a time. Yeah, I, I actually think this, I, I use this for um, packing our kids stuff in the mornings. I just yeah. had a stack of cards and I just yeah. cycled through until I was at the beginning again. And then I knew I had, I had done everything, packed all the lunch boxes and all the gym bags and yeah, whatever they needed. So yeah. So speaking about the weekly review, so I did a um, a card game each week, a solitaire game, where I placed all my project cards on the table. And here you see one of my early uh, adoptions. So in the left hand, this is all active projects and uh, the right hand is like projects on hold. Yeah. So now the game is to lay out all the projects and then take your stack of next action cards and then match them with your project. And then we'll, you will quickly see which project is uh, missing uh, an action. Yeah. And then if you look closely, you can see there's different paper clips and pins on some of those cards. And that is because I have three examples of three types of next actions that are not represented by a card. So I, I needed a placeholder for it. Later, I upgraded with the with some placeholder cards and you can see them here because some sometimes I would have a next action in my mail yeah, and sometimes I would have an appointment which was my next action in my calendar and also I could have a waiting mail which was also the next action. So these yeah. three was not represented in my stack of paper because they, was, they were handled in Outlook anyway. Yeah. So then I just put one of those cards on my project to indicate that uh, it had a next, next action. Yeah. So this was a very fun uh, exercise to, um, 
to play with my system uh, and a very uh, analog way of doing it. It is really a revealing uh, experience to to put all your actions, all your projects, out on one on one table so you can see it all. And it's first, it's it's uh, it, it makes you reflect if you really have the resources to to move on all these different projects. So yeah. it gave me a, a, a whole new perspective on this methodology to try it out. Yeah. Um, For me, the disadvantage was that uh, I didn't have a table big enough. So, yeah, <laughs> so I had exactly. to use the floor. <laughs> yeah. So it, it maybe and says also, too much um, about my system than, uh, or too the, much. Uh, one of one of the, uh, the big issues is even though it is portable, uh, when you only take one uh, context with it, I was always bringing this box with uh, with my paper. I was yeah. bringing this back and forth to work every day. Yeah. But it was the nicest uh, feeling was just to uh, have the box open and just when somebody asked something, I could just do like this in the yeah. papers and find whatever I needed, like in two seconds or something. Yeah. It was really nice. So yeah, there, there's something about uh, the tactileness of the system. Is yeah. it's very calming for your brain to know that mm. all I need to know is in this small box. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it uh, it was a very uh, nice experience to um, to do, and um, of course there was also a reason why I stopped doing it because uh, as I was as I was um, erasing all my cards, I felt I was losing some of my history. And uh, that was probably also why you kept your cards. But I actually loved, I actually liked the, the continuity of, of like creating a story uh, for the journey. Right here, I'm always, it's like in the fairy tale where the children are, they are putting out small pieces of stone when they go out in the woods to find their way back home. Yeah. Or they are putting out breadcrumbs, which yeah. the, the birds are eating. So <laughs> when you uh, when you archived your notes, you put out the stones, you lay the stones on the ground so you could find your way back in history. Yeah. And I was putting out breadcrumbs, which was yeah. uh, erased every week or eaten by the birds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next thing I I went on to after this was actually a, uh, I went back to uh, to square one actually with a book. And uh, because it, it's, it, it still gave me a lot of the tactile feeling. And, and now I can all also use a fountain pen, which is also a nice experience. And I, I cannot do that on the index cards if I want to reuse them. So no, now no, I- Not if you want to reuse them, no. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so this was the next, uh, thing and also uh, doing the calendar in the drawing out the calendar each week yeah. and this one and I did it mainly to this is like an example of one week calendar yeah. I did it mainly to to force myself to use enough time to reflect on my calendar because normally in my weekly review when I was just looking at my digital calendar, I have a, a family calendar, which is an Apple and then the work calendar, which is an Outlook. I always always had to look to two places because I haven't found out to make it work to work to to look at it all at the same. But yeah. what I was experiencing, I was not 
using enough time reflecting on my calendar. I'm doing that now because I have to draw it out each week and I can I can merge yep. the two calendars. Yeah, and that uh, the calendar part there is uh, it's one of my real pet peeves. It's it's so annoying that uh, we are in 2023 and it's still very hard to sync calendars and see several yep. calendars in in one view. It's I've tried it several times. I've even asked experts both at the job and professionally and checked on on the internet and even though you do all jump through all the hoops and do all the things mm -hmm. you're supposed to do, it still doesn't work. And yeah. it's so insanely annoying. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm not sure what what are you supposed to do with these calendars. So it's uh, I'm, I have the exact same experience. I have a family calendar in in, in Google and I have an Outlook calendar, and yeah. it works. Since it works 95% of the time, it's it works so often that um, you're bound to miss something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little yeah. annoying. Yeah. But uh, to wrap up uh, the main topic for today, uh, it was a very fun journey and I could, I will always recommend to experiment with new formats, uh, even though uh, you might think that GCD is only uh, living in uh, in blank in big pieces of paper or only digital. Uh, there are uh, some few other ways to do it as well. Um, yeah. So for me, it was just important to to stay curious. Yeah. At the moment, I'm using Microsoft to do and and capturing all my stuff there. But there is some part of me that really wants to go back to paper. And I, I think I also learned a lot about which categories are needed and which are really yeah. Because you, it's so easy to see it in the in in your box. You can see that okay, I made a category here, but it has just one card. Could it really? Yeah, exactly. Maybe just go another place, or I have a one category here which is five centimeters wide. <laughs> Maybe I should yeah. split it up a little because there's obviously too much, or I'm or I'm not doing enough uh, of this. Yeah. So. Another argument like uh, digital versus paper notes, many people are always asking, yeah, but what if you lose your papers, then it's gone forever. I would actually uh, say the opposite because in the digital world, it's so easy to make a folder or a category that you forget about because it's yeah. not in your face. You have to yeah. pull it out to get it. In the paper world here, it's all together and you see it all always. Of yeah. course, I can lose my box, but when I have it, it's more visible and it's more in my face than on a screen where I have to open an, an app or something to see my lists. Yeah. So in that regard, it's it's easier to. It's always it's closer to me uh, than a digital app. Yeah, uh, knock on wood, I have never experienced a fire and lost everything, uh, and I hope I'll never do. And um, I had had my GTD system in my notebook uh, several years ago and I actually managed to lose it or I, I left it on my hotel, hotel room but uh, they were actually nice enough to mail it back to me so I, wow. I added, added several uh, very good reviews to that hotel yeah. because uh, Important. <laughs> Important. They, they actually deserved it so yeah. Yeah so should we move on to our uh, book recommendation? Yes I've been reading uh, George Monbiot's uh, excellent book called Regenesis. And even as a vegan, I am uh, always shocked, uh, shocked about uh, the numbers for um, CO2 emissions and so on. And mm -hmm. uh, he had some 
very surprising numbers and he said that if you want to stay below not 1.5 which he said this is you can just forget 1.5 we are talking about less than two degrees and if not everybody on earth stops eating meat then we will pass two degrees uh, celsius by the end of this century that's uh, supposing we would stop doing everything else but just continuing to eat the amount of meat we do today yeah. will ruin the whole calculation so we are standing in front of pretty big changes uh, if we are supposed to to turn around on time so yeah uh, yeah yes did you have a book yes i'm currently reading this one it's called uh, thanks for the feedback and uh, it's all about it's not about uh, so much giving feedback but it's more like how can i use uh, feedback from my environment to be a better person and of course uh, there is some truth in uh, when you when you receive a feedback or a comment from a person you don't like you have a tendency to disregard the feedback because you don't like the person yeah <laughs> but oftentimes it shows that they are right they're often right in some way so yeah. even though uh, you receive uh, bad feedback uh, or it's it's given to you in a bad way or it's by a person you don't like or another thing about the feedback that you don't like there's often a potential for you to grow personally um, and yeah. that is what this is about um, it's very uh, interesting um, so that is what i'm i'm reading right now yes then I'll um, cite the quote. Um, it's from Albert Einstein, and he said, anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. So I hope that makes uh, an inspiration for everyone listening that uh, try something new. <laughs> yeah. And uh, maybe make some new mistakes. That's, that's the way we learn, so. Exactly. So next time, Kenneth, uh, you will be talking about uh, how to set up uh, your calendar for less friction and stress. Yeah, yeah. as we already talked a little about uh, just now, uh, how hard it could be, but, um, but there are also other things with your calendar that could be a problem in your workday. So that's, uh, we're thinking that's maybe a, a low hanging fruit for most of our listeners and also for ourselves and uh, also just putting these thoughts out there, getting feedback on it. Uh, if you have any feedback for us for the last episode or this one or any future ones, uh, please let us know. It's uh, how we all learn. And uh, maybe you vehemently disagree with what we said, but uh, that's that's good. We appreciate the feedback. So already got some good feedback from several people who have listened to us now. And um, uh, we will always appreciate more feedback. So with that, I'll take us out. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear from you. Give us feedback if, if you want in the comments for any ideas, tips, tricks, topics, or other things you recommend us to look into and possibly discuss in a future episode. Until next time, remember, be curious, attentive, and kind. Goodbye.